This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hello and welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. This is episode 94, and I'm your host, Trevor Williams. And today on the show, we have Carmen Eldridge, who is the farm director at a new development in Palm Beach, Florida called Arden. So you might have heard of the term agri-hoods. Maybe you haven't. I actually never did before I heard about Trip and Carmen. And it's this new neighborhood design, this whole concept, where a neighborhood is built, and at the center is a little farm. Specifically, it's a little five-acre farm where um, residents of that community can help grow crops for the people in that community to eat. It's such a cool concept and something that I think is going to grow in the future. And Carmen, who is our guest today, and her husband have started this movement of agri-hoods where people are um, buying houses or they're working on developments where agriculture, farming, nature are at the center point of these communities. So it's such a cool concept, and I'm really excited to talk with Carmen today about what they're doing, how they're kind of trying to bridge the gap between farmers and consumers with things like an agrihood. And if you want to see more about their development, go to ardenflorida.com. It's arden, A-R-D-E-N-F-L.com, and you can see their whole plan for the community, for the agrihood, and all of that really good stuff. So this is a great interview, learning about agrihoods and how they are trying to get people back to their roots with nature and farming and agriculture and all that good stuff. Um, and don't forget, if you want a limited edition, one-of-a-kind Farm Traveler t-shirt, let me know. Email me at farmtravelerseries at gmail.com or let us know on Instagram, which is just farm underscore traveler, and we'll send you one. They're 20 bucks. We've got, I think, about 10 to 15 left. And so far, the response has been wonderful. They're super soft. 
Everybody loves them. I'm going to get some more people or some pictures of people wearing them and be like, hey, see, we actually have people that are that are buying these shirts and they're super cool. Um, so thank you, everyone, for um, buying them that has bought them so far. Super excited. And you know what? I've been kind of in a reflective mood this past week working on work, working on the podcast and all that. And, you know, sometimes I get kind of down that, you know, the podcast isn't as big as like a Joe Rogan show, which I mean... Of course, I don't think there's any way that we're going to get 5 million downloads a week because that's crazy. But uh, we have got a strong audience and I am super duper thankful for you. So if you listen to this podcast, whether it's once a week or you binge listen to them on the weekends, whatever you might do, thank you so much. I know it's a lot of responsibility when people willingly choose to listen to your content. And so I want you to know that's something I will not take lightly And I really appreciate you listening to these episodes that are 45 minutes, 30 minutes, or an hour, and you're just trying to learn more about agriculture. Uh, Maybe you're a farmer and you want to hear more about what's going on in the ag world, or maybe you're a consumer and you just want to learn more about agriculture. Uh, Maybe you are my old dog, Bruce, that just wants to listen to the sound of my voice. Uh, Either way, uh, thank you so much. I'm very glad to have you all here. So anyway, this is episode 94 with Carmen Eldridge from Agrihoods and also the Arden community, the Arden Agrihood. Um, hope you learn a thing or two. Hope you enjoy it. And thank you so much for listening. All right. Well, Carmen Eldridge, welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I'm super excited to talk with you. You are kind of behind this whole trend of something called agrihoods, and I'm really excited to talk with you about that. But before we dive in with that, tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of your background, and what you're doing. Sure. Um, so my partner Trip and I, we are the farm directors of a master plan community farm called Arden, and I went to school for organic crop production. Um, kind of just been in the nonprofit food world and production for the past 10, 15 years, and. Um, Trip has has as well, and we we sort of stumbled upon this opportunity to you know design and build the community farm here at Arden, and have absolutely fallen in love with the concept and and growing uh, here in South Florida. So yeah, we've been we're in our third growing season right now. We're we're uh, in Palm Beach County, Florida, and yeah, we're loving it. That's cool. Yeah. So also in Florida, I'm up here in um, the Panhandle in Panama City. So, but my wife, yeah, my wife went to college in Tampa at USF. So we love kind of central Florida, super pretty, super beautiful. Um, and so, I mean, South, a lot of people don't realize it, but Florida is super diverse in terms of agriculture. And so what all do you guys grow? I know you said you're in your third season. So what did you kind of start off growing and then what are you growing now? Sure. So we grow over 40 different varieties of vegetables, you know, same season up as you guys up there from November to May. But we also can grow a lot of tropical fruit. So our predominant tree canopy are mangoes. We have over 12 varieties of mangoes. We also have uh, 13 varieties of bananas, a couple of varieties of papayas. We have starfruit, mamey, Barbados cherries, wax jambu, just a lot of really unique things that love our tropical climate down here. We've got a few avocados. Um, so that that's what makes it unique. And then, of course, all of the different culinary herbs um, and stuff like that. 
There you go. That's awesome. So what kind of, what's the production look like? I mean, do you have a couple, I mean, I know you don't, but do you have like a couple of hundred acres or just a little small, um, larger kind of garden area? What's the production look like? Sure. So we're growing uh, currently on two and a half acres. We, we have about 110 share CSA program that we do in season. So we have in-ground rows that are tractor ready, but we also have some uh, larger decorative, decorative raised beds where we have a lot of culinary herbs. And then we have a lot of these perennial strips that function as, you know, permanent uh, beneficial insect animal habitats, but also windbreaks that are full of our tropical fruits and shrubs that are on all the kind of edges of the farm. There you go. That's super handy. Yeah, I started doing that. Um, I mean, just even backyard gardening a few years ago, I didn't know that marigolds, for example, will keep mosquitoes away. And I was like, oh, let's plant some marigolds because they're pretty, they're orange. And I mean, they're also beneficial because they keep nasty mosquitoes away. So, and um, I've seen a lot. I know um, I've been around Central Florida where they have uh, like a smaller citrus farm and they have just huge evergreen trees around there forming as a natural windbreak. So it's kind of smart that people do that. And that's really cool that you're doing that too. Um, so two acres doesn't seem like a lot, but I can imagine it's a huge headache and there's a lot of responsibility kind of tending those two acres. Oh, sure. We, we focus on quick succession crops, you know, um, not, not over 120 days in the CSA. So, uh, we're growing a lot of salad mixes, turnips, radishes, you know, cucumbers and all the fan favorites like tomatoes and, and peppers too. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of challenges with not having like a winter kill season. So, you know, pests and diseases are kind of prolific year round and worse in the summertime. So we do grow organically. Uh, we, we embrace a lot of ecological farming practices like intensive cover cropping um, and, you know, increasing biodiversity and attracting beneficial insects, stuff like that, because it is very challenging part of the state to grow in for that reason. <laughs> and uh, yeah, being a brand new farm, you know, we started basically on beach sand. So we, we trucked in copious amounts of compost to get us started. And then uh, this third season, we've seen a massive improvement with just having managed it organically for three years in, in terms of like the plant's resilience and the productivity and all that. That's good to hear. Yeah, I can imagine it was really difficult. I mean, Florida and that sand is not the easiest soil to grow on. Um, mm -hmm. Luckily up here, I mean, I, we've been gardening in kind of like a bigger um, raised bed that we built. So nothing in the soil because, I mean, basically it's maybe a little bit, t the top soil is maybe like a foot of decent dirt. Then after that, it's sand. Um, but I guess those are Florida problems when you're surrounded by beaches on most of the state. Sure. Um, so whenever you pick that produce, where exactly does it go? Do you keep it local or where do you send it to? So as a benefit of being an art and resident living in the community here, they are enrolled in a farm share CSA program. So each household receives a farm share every four weeks, about five to eight items. So they come to the art and barn where we have uh, our general retail space where we also sell our produce and local farm produce and fruit. And then the residents come to pick up their farm shares here. But we're, we're mainly exclusively growing for the residents, the folks that live in the community. Gotcha. So let's talk about Arden. Let's talk about the, the community a little bit. I mean, how large is it? What's the response been like? And um, I mean, what's it like to be working in like a little community that's really focused on um, kind of sustainable agriculture? 
Sure. So Arden at Buildout will have over upwards of 2,300 homes and it's on 1,200 acres. So, you know, it's, it's an agri-hood, which means that instead of being, you know, built around a golf course, folks are living around our five acre farm in the center of the community. So uh, the developer Freehold, you know, all of their communities really emphasize uh, shared experiences and outdoor lifestyle and overall wellness. Um, and so that that's kind of epitomized in in the farm itself. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been really neat to live, not we don't live here, but for, to see other folks living in a food centric community where it's such an integral part of the lifestyle and the community engagement. That's so cool. So what all has gone in behind the planning of the community? I mean, making sure that the, like the farm is central to everything. I mean, that are, are the houses also being kind of built in sustainable ways? Like what all, how in depth has the planning gone on this? Um, so they, uh, because they embrace, you know, this outdoor living and healthy eating, uh, there's uh, several trails, miles of trails that go around the whole community. So in big open green spaces, like everyone's backyard, everyone's back of their houses open up into a big backyard, a big green space. Um, there's also this giant mile long lake in the center of the community. That's a 5K all the way around. Uh, so the focus is really on um, creating, intentionally creating spaces for people to be outside and active because it's Florida, that we have great weather and uh, for people to be, to, to get moving and meet their neighbors. Um, so yeah, the, one of the unique aspects of the community is uh, over 85% of the landscaping, the plants are Florida native. Um, and so it's not like when you go to some big master plan communities in South Florida, where you look like you're driving into a tropical oasis, it really looks like you're, you're around native Florida. So that's been, that's been really neat. And then of course we we embrace sustainable farming practices at the farm. So are there any kind of perks that you get to have while you're living there? Like, can you go work on the farm pretty much any time? Or um, do, do you really have to have like a farming background to live there? Or is it just pretty much for everybody? No, not at all. It's, it's definitely for everyone. Um, we've actually met a lot of folks that have like either zero experience with food and farming or they're farmers themselves because Palm Beach County is a big agricultural county for the state. And we actually have a lot of, you know, farmers that live here as well, um, nearby. And, you know, pre COVID, we were doing regular volunteer days where residents were encouraged to come out and get their hands dirty and work on the farm. We've since had to scale that back just uh, due to social distancing and in the pandemic, but uh, we're excited to open that up and get that started. And we, we also encourage residents to get involved through our other community gardens. So we have you pick gardens, a children's garden, a butterfly garden. Um, in the future, we're going to have a community orchard. So just just different agricultural amenities to get people engaged and connected with nature, just kind of interspersed throughout the community as a whole. Yeah, that's such a good idea. I mean, you guys are kind of taking the term agritourism. And I mean, I will, I mean, really with agrihoods, you're making it like an agriculture based um, community where people are kind of more engaged and more aware of where their food comes from. So is that kind of the master plan? Do you want people to know more about food production and to kind of play a bigger part in that? Yeah, absolutely. We we do have educational components and we certainly want people to be connected with w where food comes from, but you know, also understanding the trials and tribulations of farming about like the, the intense amount of time and effort that it takes to grow vegetables and fruit. 
Um, and also just like a connection with nature, um, especially with the children's garden, getting kids engaged and having an outlet to sort of like play and, and learn uh, in the sensory garden is is really fun and pivotal to us. We also do workshops, which now with COVID are all virtual, but doing educational events and programming like that is definitely a core value of ours. I can imagine. So you said this one's in Palm Beach County. Are there any other locations y'all are looking at or any possible future ones? Um, I know Freehold has a couple other agri-hoods uh, across the country. Um, so there's one in Palm Springs, California called Miralon, and they converted sort of an abandoned golf course into an olive grove. And they also have a community you pick garden. Uh, there's one called Orchard Ridge um, near Austin, Texas, that uh, it's uh, they've got community gardens and you pick gardens, kind of like adopted bed programs and, and also an orchard. And, you know, there's I think there's others that are in the works, but those are the ones that come to mind. Okay, cool. I mean, those are three pretty cool states to be in, um, Florida, Texas, and and California. Very different climates, all of those, for sure. Definitely. (laughs) So I was reading y'all's website, and y'all kind of mentioned kind of the whole farm-to-table movement and that people are slowly starting to get more curious about kind of where their food comes from. So what are your whole thoughts on the farm-to-table movement? I mean, is it something that's beneficial? Do we need to improve it? What do you think? Sure. I think there's, I think there's a lot of benefits to our physical and mental health by being more connected to food and agriculture and especially, you know, younger families, Gen X and millennials. When you think about like where you want to raise your kids, you're not, you're not like imagining a sleepy golf course community. And I think there's something really appealing to a master plan community that's connected and intentionally creating space for healthy eating and outdoor lifestyles and connecting with their neighbors and, you know, small scale, small and medium sized scale organic agriculture has an amazing opportunity and way of connecting people. And I think that's, that's increasingly more appealing and, you know, folks moving in aren't necessarily foodies. They're not coming from a background. They just, there's something natural and feels good about this. Mm, that That's a very good point. It kind of, I feel like it's getting people back to our, I mean, focusing on their relationship with nature, which I know sounds cheesy, but I mean, the more you go outside, the happier you are. And I know, um, I mean, like, for example, I think it's vitamin D that comes from the sun. I mean, you, it just improves your mood and improves your whole psyche whenever you go outside more. Absolutely. <laughs> and I saw some, I think it was in a farmer's almanac or some random gardening magazine, but it was like, whenever you garden, whenever you go outside and work in your garden barefoot it does something to like your immune system or something. And so whenever I go outside, I try to repot plants or do anything barefoot. And, you know, honestly, afterwards, I feel a whole lot better. I don't know if there's something to it, but I mean, you never know. Sure. I've, I've heard that before. There's definitely something grounding about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's funny. Um, Are there any like huge misconceptions that you see with the whole farm to table movement or even just with kind of farming and agriculture in general? I mean, I'm sure you see a lot of them. So what are some misconceptions that you see out there? Um, we definitely encounter the expectation that food should look a certain way. Uh, mm. I think people aren't aware necessarily of how much waste there is in food production to get that perfect, you know, produce to market. And um, so we, we spent a lot of time, educating residents about, you know, what food really looks like in the garden and how it can take all different shapes and sizes. And sometimes they're funny and they're not perfect 
and beautiful, but they're edible and they're equally nutritious. Uh, so yeah, that, that's definitely one thing that we, we encounter. Um, and I think too, in terms of people's relationship with food, I think there's generally a huge disconnect between farmers and consumers. Like I, especially with, you know, industrial conventional agriculture, there's a lot of modern day slavery conditions that people aren't aware of. And there's, there's massive backstories that tomato you find in the grocery store and, and a, a, a huge story to tell about the farm workers and people involved in its production. So um, the, yeah, there's, there's definitely some misconceptions with those, the two that I thought of. <clears throat> yeah. That first one is a really good point that we're kind of conditioned to look for that perfect produce in a store, whether it's like a banana or an apple or a lettuce or anything. And I saw a commercial a few weeks ago and it's some company they take um, quote unquote ugly produce and they put it in a box and they send it to you. And so they're trying to like kind of revolutionize how we think about food. But I mean, when you go to a store and you try to get the ripest tomato, you look for one that's perfectly round, perfectly red, and then boom. But I mean, you probably know this too, but if you get an heirloom tomato that just looks funky, it's going to taste like 10 times better than that normal perfect looking tomato. But I mean, that's just something we're kind of conditioned to now, looking for that perfect produce. Oh, definitely. We have that conversation about tomatoes all the time. And, you know, when folks actually eat the farm fresh tomato, they're like, holy cow, this is the best tomato I've ever <laughs> had. And it's it's true when it's picked at peak ripeness and it's it's grown slowly and um, and it's not like artificially gassed in a chamber. It, it ripens naturally. It uh, it's different. It's way different. And it's 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 superior in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's more natural. I mean, it's it's taken care of. Like you said, it's not gas to help it um, ripen a whole lot quicker. It's weird. It's weird. I mean, kind of the things that have happened. I mean, even with um, with processed foods, I mean, we'll read all the labels and I mean, the labels can just say one thing and not mean them in any way, shape or form. And we're just like, oh, it says it. So it's got to be true. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it's natural. It's it's natural, even though it's like a box of Cheerios. And I'm like, oh, where's the Cheerio plant at? Um, yeah. So for people that don't live in one of these agri-hoods, but they want to get tied back to nature or to farming or agriculture, uh, what kind of advice would you give to them? I mean, besides moving to one of these cool agri-hoods, what could they do to kind of work on getting back to nature and farming? I, I think the, the easiest way would be to find out where the farmer's markets are in your area and buy directly from farmers. Like talk to the farmer, ask them about how they grow, like show interest in, in what they do and how they do it. Uh, a lot of farmers now accept food stamps, SNAP benefits. So you can, if, if, you, if you're in that cohort, then you can spend your, your SNAP benefits at farmer's markets now. Um, if you want to take it a step further, you could join a CSA, a com community supported agriculture program where you actually buy into uh, a farm's production early on in the season and then receive a regular box week after week from the farmer of what's ripe and ready. And then there's, there's always the option to grow your own, you know, start small, have a small raised bed or some sort of container potted garden near your home or join a community garden and um, kind of appreciate the, the daily benefits of going through that process. Yeah, that's all really good advice. Um, so I can't remember if this one was in Orlando, but I'm pretty sure it was. But there was like a CSA in Orlando that I think was making the rounds on the news a few years ago. 
And basically, they just grow vegetable gardens in people's front yards. And whoever's house they're at, they don't have to take care of them. It's just this group of people that go around on bikes and they'll work on the, the gardens like every weekend or something. And it's so cool because you they might have like a small front yard, but they just transform it into this huge, beautiful garden. And I mean, it's been super neat because apparently they've been kind of revolutionizing food down there, especially in an urban area like Orlando. I mean, they're transforming just grassy areas into very highly productive little gardens. So have you seen anything like that? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm familiar with those folks. They're the spin farming, I think is what they call yeah, it. Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, they're they're fantastic. And I think that's caught on to different cities as well, but they sort of got the concept started. Um, no, I think it's great. And, you know, residents here at Arden are also um, able to plant gardens in their backyard, do raised bed box gardens. So a lot of them will attend our intro to organic gardening workshop and then get started on their own. Uh, so I, I think it's a way better utilization of space uh, to be able to eat your lawn instead of just grow grass. Yeah, that's a very good point. So what are those workshops like? I mean, do y'all cover pretty much whatever is in growing season for those residents? What all do you cover? Yeah, so kind of, you know, site placement, how to get like very basic, how to get started for the intro class. Uh, seed selection, because picking out uh, the correct varieties for the state of Florida is extremely important. You can't just you know, show up at a big box store and expect the seeds there to thrive in our tropical, subtropical environment. Um, so, And then like seasonality, what to plant when and, and how to harvest. Uh, we also have done different like uh, cooking demos in terms of like best practices for storage and preparation. And uh, we upcoming we, this year, we're doing uh, compost 101. So how to do your own compost bin. We're doing grow your own microgreens and uh, a, a workshop all on culinary herbs, like how to store and use them. So we try to mix it up and uh, keep it timely, but definitely intro to organic gardening is, is the favorite. Uh, it sounds like it. So I tried um, last year, I think last spring, growing our own basil and then canning it. And we had this huge basil plant. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to give us so much basil. Well, you know, I picked the leaves off, put it in the oven, dried them, crushed them, put them in a can. And it was like maybe a couple tablespoons. And I was like, all that work for just barely any basil. It's true. It's true. When you start dehydrating things, it's remarkable how much it shrinks. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I was like, well, I was like, now I have a lot more respect for um, basil growers because that's a lot of work to do dried basil. Oh, it's it's so true. And it, it tends to be a little bit of a finicky plant. It doesn't like to be wet and its tendency is to get downy mildew a lot. So, yeah, I can't tell you how many times I would go out and see it and it would be mildewy or just nasty. So I'd be like, well, all right, here goes another one. But I mean, it was pretty fun. So going back to some of those classes, do you have any advice on composting? I've tried that in the past with very little success, but I know um, there are farmers and gardeners that swear by it. So do you have any advice on that? So we've, you know, in our experience, we've done several different types of systems, but one that we've liked and have recommended to Arden residents in terms of its ease, we believe if it's not easy and convenient, then it's most likely not something you'll thrive at. Uh, so we, we've got this worm bin that um, it's called a hungry bin, I believe. 
and it looks like a green trash can, but essentially it's, it's a very kind of passive way to compost because you don't have to like get out there with a shovel or a pitchfork and physically turn it. it it's not unsightly. There's no odors. It's, it's very contained. And then it creates a very nice finished product that's easy to harvest and apply to your lawn or garden. Uh, so essentially you do put worms in it and um, it looks like a trash can. And so the top layer is like all the compost where you put all your kitchen scraps. And then towards the bottom, it, it, it creates like this really nice, fine, broken down, finished compost product that you can kind of pull out this tray and it has, it's like a brick of it. And then at the very bottom, there's another tray that collects the leachate, you know, the, the water, um, the warm tea at the bottom. So you can, you can pour water through, through the whole container and then take the water and use it as kind of a, a liquid fertilizer. But in terms of ease of use and appearance and no smell and just like that, that to us has been the easiest uh, method that we found that it doesn't require like backbreaking work or even spinning a tumbler or anything like that. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. I just Googled it and it does look just like a trash can. Um, that does look super easy. I've tried it before um, very haphazardly, so I might have to try something like this before. Um, but basically with composting, you, you can put almost anything in except dairy products, meat products. Um, what else can you not put in there? Uh, I think you hit, hit it on the dot and dairy and meat. And I mean, in some large scale composting systems, they do add that, but it's, it's mainly the risk of um, if your pile isn't hot enough, then the bad bacteria can't die. So at a home scale, they definitely recommended to leave animal products out of it. Um, and some, some folks recommend not putting citrus cause it's too acidic, but um, I think, I think it's fine unless you're like, making orange juice all winter long and it's like a boatload of citrus peels, then I, I wouldn't recommend adding a lot of citrus peels in that situation. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. And then, you know, we have really basic soil here, so we don't want to add a lot of eggshells because they have a lot of calcium and we, we definitely don't need any more calcium in our soil. So there might be certain specific minerals elements that you want to avoid, but generally um, it, avoid the animal products. Gotcha. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, I had no idea that you can add coffee grounds too. I mean, I think that's super cool. I mean, even with like little K cups, you can just take the coffee grounds out, put it in a pile, boom, coffee grounds, which is really oh, yeah. interesting. The worms love the coffee grounds too, I think, because they're just easy to eat. They're tiny already. <laughs> does it make them, does it like get them super excited with all the caffeine in there? I mean, does it make them like do the composting like quicker? Yeah, I think they, they get hungrier. I don't know. <laughs> that's just, that's just my observation. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. I guess it's one of those things. That's funny. So, so Carmen, what do you think about the farmer-consumer relationship? Do you think it's improving? Do you think it's getting worse? Um, do you think it's been great that farmers can now get on something like social media and really easily share their um, their processes? So, what do you think about the farmer-consumer relationship? Well, lately, you know, with COVID-19, I, I feel like there's definitely been a rise in interest in buying directly from farmers. And I, I think people had a little bit of a scare with, you know, um, what food was available in the grocery store or just not wanting to be around a ton of people in an indoor space. So I know small scale uh, farmers have definitely seen an uptick in sales due to the pandemic and, um, 
and I hope people have really enjoyed the relationship with their farmers and, and, and knowing who their farmer is. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that people, people generally do like going to farmer's markets. There's more farmer's markets now than there ever has been. And I think it, small scale agriculture offers the opportunity for more connection and more relationships with the people that grow your food. And it's also an opportunity for, you know, a living wage for farmers when there's a direct to farmer relationship, the farmer tends to make better money and the production systems and like sustainable agriculture are, are better for the planet. So I think there is growing interest in, in knowing your farmer and in, in improving that relationship. Uh, but there's, you know, there's still a lot, a lot to be improved in, in the agriculture industry. Oh yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. We, since the pandemic, I mean, last year, which is still weird to say, we've been doing a better job of going to farmer's markets locally and they've been great. I mean, they sell everything from produce to enchiladas to tamales and beef. And so, mm -hmm. and I've seen more and more people going locally. And I mean, it's great because you're not only supporting um, local businesses, local farmers or whatever, but you're also keeping that money in your local economy. And so you're giving the local economy a boost instead of shipping it off to Mexico or somewhere where that food is being transported from hundreds and thousands of miles away. Sure. Yeah. And, and definitely when talking about, you know, global climate change, it's reducing food miles and being closer to your food source is definitely, definitely better. Oh yeah. And do you think kind of hopefully in the future, agrihoods can be super common and we can have more locally grown produce in communities? Oh yeah, that would, that would definitely be the dream. And it, it's sort of going back to basics about, you know, how human settlements originally were designed out of necessity. Um, so yeah, that would, that would be the dream uh, for more people to be living closer to their food source and, and have a relationship with the people growing their food that they know their farmer, you know, just like they know their doctor or their lawyer. Yeah, that's a good point. Instead of having to get on um, the internet or having to find some local farmer, they can just say, oh, well, I live in a community. I can go work down on the farm anytime I want. I can go see what they're doing and see exactly how my food has grown. So uh, random question. I just, I just thought of it. Is there Are there any um, in the future at Arden or any of these agrihoods, would there be any livestock there or are there any plans for that? No, we don't have plans for livestock here at Arden. Um, there's a lot of bees in the community, if you could get oh. that livestock. Oh, but and one of our staff is a beekeeper, but we, uh, we don't keep bees currently just because there's so many hives that are naturally around, um, the property, but no, not at, not at Arden that I'm aware of. And I, I'm not sure if there is another community that has like an agrihood community that does livestock. We, we were doing, uh, egg CSA shares from through our general store for a period of time. So trying to support other local growers that have their own specialties. Right. Okay. And I mean, that's a whole other can of worms there. I mean, if you have local pro or locally, local livestock in a community like that, because you're going to need a lot more room and a lot more sure. tools and resources and stuff. Yeah. Um, well, Carmen, this has been cool talking with you and learning more about Arden and agrihoods. Um, if people want to learn more about agrihoods and you guys, where can they go to kind of see what's going on? Uh, well, we have a website, uh, Arden, if they Google Arden, naturally it'll come up, but it's ArdenFL, as in Florida.com. That's the best way to reach us. And then on Facebook, we're Arden Naturally. All right. Yeah, your website is super cool. I checked it out. Um, if we're ever in Palm Beach, 
or we'll have to go by and check you guys out and see what's going on um, because oh, these things sound super cool. It's quite the trek from where you're at, but I, we would love to have you. Yeah. Well, we've been, we just bought a house a few months ago. And so we've been trying to get to Ikea to buy some bookshelves. And so they don't have it in Jacksonville. So we might have to go down around Tampa to see if they have some stuff. We might have to give it a little stop by, <laughs> but awesome. we'll see. Okay. Well, All right. Well, well, Carmen, well, best of luck. Thanks again for talking with us and good luck with Agrihoods and Arden. Okay. We appreciate it. Thank you so much.